Welcome back. This is the Your Cool Aunts podcast. And if you've just popped in, be sure to listen to the first of this series where we explain what's going on. So let's get into Claire's diary. We're going to begin today with a Saturday market in a French village. And as usual, we'll start off with Claire's notes to set up the story. And she says, nieces, aunts, and friends. A few weeks before this entry, Laurent had come to see me to do a checkup. She was on a mission to keep me on track. And during the visit, she unleashed a fascinating story about the diaries she found, our family legacies, and some very specific advice for me to follow. She told me that keeping a diary like these women had done was the single best thing she had done, and it was the best advice that she could offer me. I took this advice very seriously. I wanted to commit to it and to start something I knew I could and would continue. Prior to my internship summers in Champagne, I had kept a diary off and on that was more of a record of my day with a keen interest in defining and identifying cool aunts. Laurent's advice was more of a call to action, to do something for myself, to achieve a better understanding of myself in these diaries. So now I had a sense of what I wanted, of how I would take Laurent's advice. So this is where, how, and when my serious diary keeping started. Laurent's advice in her diary prompt is what drove me to the Saturday market in search of materials for my diary. The randomness of meeting someone there and then building a friendship around my quest for pen and paper is worth writing about on its own. I'm not willing to take any credit for just such an openness when I met Brigitte, the pen and paper mistress. I think I was distracted enough by the intensity of that particular market to let my so-called guard down, and it happened. And we'll talk again soon, Claire. So we're ready to open up the diary here with Claire's note to a Saturday market in a French village. And Claire says, Midway through my first summer in France, I was tired and my emotional fuse shortened. I hated the idea that I might simply be lonely or even worse, homesick. How was it possible to long for anything that annoyed or bored me at home. This is a common reality that lands in the lap of anyone who's been away from their home for more than just a vacation. I think it's the loss of familiarity, the unnoticed missing element in the first weeks that are overrun with excitement. Every person, thing, or transaction was new to me during that time, and I felt rattled because I loved this place. The people, I was definitely happy about everything to do with my circumstances, but I was probably exhausted by it all too. The Grenos, my hosts, they're delightful. I detailed my quandary to Laurent last week, along with my own speculations as to the source of the discontent, and she gave me real and specific advice about diary keeping and recounted how, in addition to writing, that adopting a routine had helped her years and years ago. Anything from a morning walk or a market visit. Find something, she said, to connect yourself to local life. And since then, 
I have basically deployed all of her suggestions and I'm already feeling better. It's not even a week later and I'm more engaged and I'm thrilled to turn things in a better direction. The next section is called, the next section is entitled, There is Nothing Like a French Market. The Grinot's Old Spaniel M liked the attention of our new morning walk routine, and she was tolerant of anything except a leash. She stayed close to me as if on assignment while I roamed the stalls at the Saturday market, moving from one tent canopy to the next. Ridiculously colorful arrays of perfectly displayed vegetables, ground spices, olives, baked goods, and the noise of the market and buckets and buckets of cut flowers. I never understood the fascination with the canvas sneakers. So many vendors sold them. They're always tied together and displayed next to random things from kitchen utensils to pots. M installed herself near the chicken rotisserie stall and kept an eye on me and the chickens. Any photograph of any part of this scene would look like a postcard. I surreptitiously grabbed a few shots with my phone while trying to blend in, trying to look French. Walking to the end of the rows of tents, I paused at a quiet stall with an unusual offering, pen, ink, and small blank booklets. This stall was stark. A teenage girl seated in the back was engrossed in writing what looked like a letter. Looking up and startled, she apologized and stood to offer assistance. I was really happy that she did not initially detect a tourist, and she addressed me in French. By then, I had zeroed in on an inexpensive fountain pen that felt just right. It turned out to be the iconic pen used by every French student before the advent of the ballpoint pen. So it was a classic. The clerk explained that most French people over the age of 40 saw them as nostalgic blasts from their past and tended to buy them for their kids. This would be the perfect pen for my diary, along with a bottle of azure blue ink. The blank books she sold are called field notes, and they're perfect for my diary too, because they're universal in size and availability. You can get them almost anywhere. These booklets were exactly what I was looking for. They felt right for me, compact and sleek, and I bought three to get started. The clerk noticed my accent and happily flipped the conversation to English and introduced herself as Brigitte. The next section is titled, A Fountain Pen, A Bottle of Emerald of Chivor Ink, and a Friend. Brigitte explained that the stall was sponsored by the French government to promote old school penmanship. It was a perfect summer job for her because it was far from her family and the fields of champagne. I stopped by the pen stall every week thereafter to say hello or for refills, booklets, or ink. It made me feel like a local to know a shopkeeper. Brigitte was about to finish high school and was anxious to deploy and practice her command of English. She seemed to be waiting for me every week with an idea or suggestion for a new ink color. She'd say, wait, you won't believe what I've got my hands on. And she showed me a bottle of ink 
that should have been much more expensive considering the stunning tiny little bottle. Everything about it was perfect for my frame of mind. And it's called Jacques Herbin, color number 670, Emerald of Chivor. How was it that Brigitte knew about things like this anyway? She's just a kid. Even though there were only five or six years between us, Brigitte was looking up to me. I felt I had become her advisor, or maybe a big sister. There were times when her painful boredom with the only place she'd ever known was perplexing, because this place was what my dreams were being built around. Our shared comedy was that we were escaping to and from the same place and our agreement was that we would alternate our conversations between English and French, giving one another the chance to improve. We became friends quickly, and M seemed to like her too. The next section is called A Visitor on a Bicycle. And Claire says, One late Sunday morning, Brigitte showed up on a bike at the Grenoz, looking for me. She was bored, and she offered to show me around. She was a terrific guide to the surrounding countryside and the villages, complete with appropriate levels of judgment for the quality of wines from the smallest subsections and south-facing hillsides. She knew things well beyond her years, was sweet in a way, and ready to engross herself in any topic. I envied her lack of self-consciousness because I knew how heavily it had weighed on me only a few years ago and that it could still surface from time to time. We must have paddled for about 10 miles over several hours, talking or laughing throughout the ride. It was pure fun, and that night I ate dinner ferociously, slept deeply, and awoke to a very sore butt and legs too. The next section, Claire says, Cool Aunt Aspirations. Walking the vine rows in the morning... I briefly wondered if I could be to Brigitte what Laurent was for me, a cool aunt. I brushed off the notion and maybe blushed at the thought of having the standing of a cool aunt like Laurent. Maybe I hoped to encourage Brigitte to her own self-assured identity. And then again, maybe she didn't need it. And now we'll move along to the next in the series entitled Charlotte Grenot, Madame Grenot. And Claire begins, as usual, with her note, Nieces, Aunts, and Friends. Since we've been getting together with your cool aunts, I've tried to provide you with some details that can give a real sense of the people and places I write about here in my diary. Oddly, I haven't spent much time telling you about the Grenot family, their farm, and the time I lived with them. It's more accurate to say that I was a part of their family. They readily accepted me and provided just the right amount of support to make me feel secure and independent. Other than their proximity to Laurent's farm, it was never clear to me what exactly led to their friendship with Laurent. And it has never mattered or been central to anything beyond the initial introduction. Charlotte Grenot, Michelle's wife, is an impressive woman and definitely the head of this household, 
not in an imperious way, but more so in terms of organization and function. There is a definite schedule to when things happen that makes for a very calm and predictable place there. Read on, you'll see what I mean. And we'll talk again soon, Claire. Okay, opening up the diary to Charlotte Greno. And Claire says, I think Charlotte is a force majeure. I always did, and I still believe that this is not an overstatement. Living with the Grenos, I had the privilege of being in her presence as she navigated everything, her law practice, the family, their burgeoning vineyard, their burgeoning vineyard, etc., etc., etc. And yes, I watched her too. I often found myself caught up watching her as she moved through whatever she was focused on and wondering if I'd ever be capable of doing so much so well. Once, I asked her how she managed it all, and her response was memorable. Offhandedly and laughing a bit, she said, It doesn't all come at the same time, you know. These responsibilities build over time, when you're lucky. And when you're lucky, they come along one or maybe two at a time. I felt the same way at your age, but no, don't worry about it now. You'll manage everything when you need to. And Claire says, this resonated with me because it was so close to Laurent's advice to make one decision at a time and resist hypothetical obstacles because they only ever overburden the present. The next section is entitled The Kitchen. Like my mother's house and probably so many others, the Grinnell kitchen is the center of the family's universe. It's a big open space that spread into a sort of living area with no specific lines of demarcation. The back wall is made entirely of glass panels right up to the rafters. Framed and divided by black metal strips, it had three pairs of double doors with brass lever handles that all open outward to the terrace where the stone slab table lives under the pergola. The door on the far left side is the main entrance that's usually left open as it's the only one with a screen door. The screen door had an informal secondary purpose, announcing departures and arrivals as it slapped loosely and squeaked as people and pets came and went. When the main glass door is closed, it's Charlotte's signal that she is working and everyone rerouted to the small front door without pause. After lunch, when the kids are settled down for naps, Charlotte set herself up at the far end of the long farmer's table every day. In my letters home, I've described her as bomb-proof, as in nothing seemed to unsettle or upset Charlotte as she took everything in stride. Another trait, or maybe habit, that I noticed was that she never put anything off for later. Whatever demanded her attention was dealt with at once. It seemed to me that she never needed to make a to-do list. She dealt with things when they arose, and she was always focused. Interrupted, she would pivot back to her task at hand and get right back to whatever it was she had been doing. 
And Claire continues. She says, of course, I helped her whenever she asked, which usually meant it was a technology issue. She called me her tech team, a name I earned for fixing her printer soon after my arrival. Other than my usual participation in the house and my work outside in the vineyard, I felt especially useful when I was able to solve a problem for her. She's a lawyer with a short list of clients managing their trust and estate issues. Most of her clients own land and properties in the Champaign region. Some are friends of her family. Some are involved in both the vineyards as well as winemaking and others. They're absentee landowners. There are never any shortages of legal issues for her to untangle or settle. I have the sense that she has the ear of some very powerful and important people as it relates to all things to do with the champagne, the place, and the wine. The next section is, she returned to the vineyard because it was home. Charlotte inherited the land, house, and vineyard where they now live and work. Her family was a fixture in the town for generations until her parents left for the city when she was entering school. The family property fell into disuse, much like the village over the course of only two decades. Like Charlotte's family, many of the village's citizens had left for lives out of the vineyards. The locals who remained have been a bit resentful and reticent about welcoming newcomers, no matter how well-intentioned. But someone like Charlotte, who claimed it as her birthplace, was the exception. Chilly at first, villagers warmed up as she quickly wove herself back into the village with a revitalization plan for her property and the village as a whole. The Grenos made the transition out of the city and back to the vineyard for the usual reasons. The city is ever more difficult for families and the expense of living there eventually makes that decision to leave a bit easier. Prior to the birth of her second child, the apartment was tight but still manageable. And once Remy was walking on his own, they could no longer delay moving into either a larger place in the city or to take the plunge back into the vineyard. By this point in time, Charlotte had earned high praise professionally with a few important legal victories, so leaving the city was no longer a professional risk. And Claire continues, she says, A few years earlier, after becoming a partner in a law practice in Paris, the Grenots finally moved out of the city to their life in the vineyard. Charlotte maintains her professional status and partnership in the firm to this day. Let me say that again. Charlotte maintains her professional status and her partnership in the firm to this day on a mostly remote basis. Twice a month, she travels by train into the city and always comes home with bags of treasures from food to fashion and the kids are beside themselves on her return. M the dog is even a little crazy when Charlotte walks in the door, and she's a little suspicious of the strange scents that ride back from the city on Charlotte's clothes. 
the house doesn't settle down until the next morning when everything slips back into the schedule. These mornings are made special by an indulgence in whatever little food specialty found its way back from Paris. I learned to catch her in the early morning hours before the kids found their way down into the kitchen. These 30 or 40 minutes came to be an important part of my day when I could have deeper conversations with Charlotte as I looked to my own future. Much like the kids, the vineyard, and the pets, Charlotte had a calming effect on me too. And now we'll move on to Claire's next diary entry called A Rising Cool Aunt. But first, there's Claire's note. And she says, Nieces, aunts, and friends, like so many Your Cool Aunt readers, I think it's a great moment when you can find a way to convey an idea or experience that you know for sure will enhance someone else's, ex- someone else's experience. It seems to be central in the mission of a cool aunt. I know that I've touched on this before, but isn't it amazing what we can find and see in others if we're just open enough to let things happen, you know, to drop our shoulders? My mother summed it up this way. It's the basis of discovery. Well, that gets to the point, and we'll talk again soon. Claire. And so we'll open up the diary to a rising cool aunt. The summer. It was the last summer of my internship years. As a tour guide, working alternately in the coves of three different major champagne houses. I was so happy to get my first job at Runart, which was my dream choice. I was the only tour guide there who was not a native French woman, and I was very aware of my outsider status. I could now understand the greater context of my mother's perspective during her summers in France, her sense of being the outsider, the American. I think I understand it more now, that sense of wanting to be more connected to the people and the place than my short summers allowed. Eventually, I did manage to relax just enough, which in turn allowed for a sense of comfort to fit, to be a real part of what we were doing. I believe the insight to let it be, to be normal with it all, came from the most unexpected source. It was Brigitte, my adopted little sister-slash-friend from the Saturday market. Thinking I could be inspirational and something of a life guide for her was probably a bit presumptuous of me. Assuming I held more knowledge than she, this kid from the village, this kid who introduced me to some notions of immersing myself into the moment of now, as she called it. I will tell her one day about the inspirations and strength that she demonstrated to me in the most authentic and generous ways. I know she may not have intended to be so consequential or impactful, but if this is who she is now, then the future will reward us with a truly amazing woman. Getting to know Brigitte was an experience, a profound life lesson from an unexpected source. She was an old soul wrapped up as a kid. 
I might not have had the wherewithal to hear the same message from an expected source. But presented by Brigitte, I was open just enough to hear it, to get out of my own way and to make room for the people around me, something we now easily refer to as being in the moment. She may have even mocked me a bit, just the right amount, like an elbow in the side accompanied by a side glance. Someone I would want to know forever is the next section. And Claire says, I can't forget what her honesty did to provoke me, to dare or challenge me into engaging the place and its people. The Grenoes, champagne life as she called it, always laughing with a side of mockery. She knew the special thing of the people that made this place called Champagne. Reminding me every time I complained about my job, she said, and this is Brigitte said, hey, you've got to give them some real credit. This Champagne thing, no one else could pull this off just once, never mind doing it for more than 200 years. And Claire says, She'd made this reference several times, and it was notable every time she said it. I thought then, really, in those moments, no matter where we were, that Brigitte was someone I would want to know forever. I intended to be her cool aunt. Instead, I found another for myself. The part that makes me smile, even as I write this, is that if I shared this thought with Brigitte, she would heave with laughter and tell me how desperate my situation is if I counted on her advice. And then predictably, she would tell me I needed to get out of the village more because I was beginning to sound like a local. Exactly my point. Thanks anyway, Brigitte. Maybe I will tell her a decade or two down the road from here. And Claire concludes with, as I reflect on my time as a tour guide in those champagne coves, I think we, or at least I do, always begin to appreciate our circumstance as it begins to fade and slip away, realizing it is drawing to a close, trying to hang on to time, the impossible wish. And that wraps up this edition of Summertime Binge. Join us next time for another few diary entries from Claire. Thanks again. I'm Sam, and I'll see you again when I'm back at the mic. <laughs>